Yes, yes, Jeremy, busy man, checking his phone as we get ready to record another Extra Bases podcast with Bristol and Booth. Jeremy, anything good on that phone, or are you just ordering out for the night? Confidential. I can't Ooh, really... Ooh, I like that. <laughs> what would I was just getting? Maybe later? Maybe later? Not right now. Okay, uh, Big news around here in Houston, Jake Odorizzi, he was upset. He was frustrated. He was ticked that he was removed from a game on Tuesday night. And here's what he had to say, courtesy of the Houston Astros. Um, you want honesty? I think it's bullshit. So. Next question. Question from Chandler. Jake, have you vocalized that to Dusty or, or Strami? No, nobody talked to me. So, how frustrating is it for you, especially as someone that's signed here for the next uh, year and, and and maybe another year? Uh, I mean, I think it's pretty friggin' obvious. Um, I mean, just go take a look at it. It's not like I just, you know, made my debut yesterday. Been doing this for a while, so. Uh, it's, it's it's extremely frustrating. So, all right. Any question for McTaggart? How do you think you'll just going forward? And, and I mean, it's just a conversation you're going to have to to have with them. Um, just what do you think the next step is? Your guess is as good as mine. Question from Chandler. Is this as frustrated as you've been as a major leaguer? up there i'm glad we won brady played great offense played great carlos played great like it's a great win i'm glad we won that's for sure if not i'm sure i would have been the subject of blame because of only going five innings so i'm glad we won how did you feel about your stuff overall tonight perfectly fine i mean the hit i gave up in this fifth inning whatever it was the ball off the plate exactly where i wanted to throw it like i'm not upset at all i had good stuff I had 66 pitches through five innings. I don't really, don't really know what needs to be said more than that. So um, I'm done. I'm not going to say anything more. So, so yeah. Yeah, he called it that, Jeremy. So big, big picture thinking. Is this a big deal or a little deal? Um, it, it, that's, it's not that cut and dry. It, it's both. And, and here's why. Um, Jake Odorizzi is not a guy who has enough stuff, just raw stuff to get, make mistakes and get away with it. Right. So um, if you've got it and, and look, I know he was cruising and I know the pitch count was low, but it, when we look at tradition of what he's done, not just in one snapshot, but over time, it's at least the time to be cautious. Right. Um, is it a quick trigger? Yeah. Would you rather have the quick trigger right now than in September or October rather? Yeah. Because we saw what happened with Granke a couple of years ago with the Nationals, right? You want to make sure the guys get a chance to pitch. Um, and, and so it's a big deal because you, you kind of told the, the guy you don't trust him the third time around when he's in the 60s with his pitch count. It's a it's a not a big deal because, you know, history, his history, even back to when he was drafted with Milwaukee, they didn't expect him to be, you know, a fireball or 98 type of guy. It's not who he is, um, you know, says that that's the right move now. The really big deal about all this is that the man was upset. 
And the man was not afraid to say it. And if you're Dusty Baker, you're going up and you're applauding this dude. And you're like, absolutely, get pissed, take the ball, go ahead, tell me I'm wrong. I want you with that fire on the mound, 100%. A real manager is going to do that. So a manager um, who is more concerned about his own perception, and there are plenty of managers and GMs who are more concerned about their own perception in the media, is going to get um, – you know, uh, intimidated and maybe a little, little, well, let's just say it a little hurt. Cause we're talking about a softer type of guy, but if you're dusty Baker, you're like, you know what, man? Yeah. Don't do it again. Don't do it again, but I'm glad you have that fire. Okay. So now we're going to settle this. And next time we're in that, in that situation, assuming they didn't have a conversation this time, we will discuss it next time to see where you are. You got a short leash, man, after five innings. This is where it is. You got a short leash after two times through the lineup. So, um, you know, know that going out and be efficient with your stuff. And the two guys, be professionals and have and and, and have a, an arrangement and agreement and, and go their own direction. So it's a big deal because the player had a reaction the way that he did. It's it's to me, that's just those two guys working that out and professionals will do it like that and move on. This would now be the second instance in at least two, three years that an Astros pitcher has expressed this kind of frustration. Zach Greinke right. did, it did it differently by saying it after the fact that when Dusty left him in in the 2020 playoffs and didn't pull him, he said this was the first time that someone in this organization or this organization, I felt this organization had confidence in me. Is this going to come to a head at one at some point, or is it just a situation where we're just going to keep we're going to keep seeing these kinds of situations until we don't see them anymore? Um, God, what am I trying to say here? What I'm trying to say what hold on, what I'm trying to say is how long are we going to go through this charade? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Your the the words that that ran into my head when you said how long are we going to go through this were literally the rest of time. And, and, and that's what it's going to be. It's not going to be, this isn't a, this is a baseball conversation. This is a human and a conversation when it comes to stuff and instincts and game feel. Listen, the problem with, with a lot of these analysts, you know, and, and I get really amped up about this stuff because, you know, the, the numbers in the analytics are just numbers. They're just numbers on a piece of paper and they should guide you in whatever you're doing. And as far as the thought process, regardless of what kind of numbers we're looking at now, it's remiss to not pay least attention to them, right? Because we've been doing that uh, period of time. If numbers don't matter, we don't keep traditional stats. We don't keep advanced stats because they don't matter, okay? So we're looking at them to a point. Um, you're talking about two guys, and Zach Greinke and in Jake Odorizzi, who are touch and feel command-centered guys. They have to be command and control-oriented to be effective. Um, you're also talking about two entirely different front offices in the case of Zach Greinke. You're talking about A.J. Hinch and you're talking about Voldemort versus, you know, you have, um, uh, you know, versus Dusty Baker and James Click. Right. So in the case of in the case of, of he who should not now not be named, I mean, you're in a situation where the guy just wasn't going to let Granky take the ball. He, was gonna, he went to A.J. You know, A.J. has done a good job as being a player's manager in two places now. Right. So that's got to be noted. But he bought into that as well. And it was a really quick cook of Granky and it cost him the series now. Second time around, Dusty goes out, trusts Zach Greinke as a veteran, listens to him, understands the feel, and, and Zach is left in the ballgame, and, and, and that's what happens, right? So we're all set with that. 
Um, when it comes to uh, to Odorizzi, it's just, you know, Jake hasn't been healthy 100% of the time. Jake has had battles with, with third time to the lineup. I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into that. And all those factors will never change. Each pitcher, each situation is a different situation. It's no cookie cutter. There's guys that you will lean on. There's guys that you'll pull back on. It just depends on the situation. For all we know, Dusty's trying to set up something for the playoffs later and want to see how that looks now. You don't know where that's going to fit. You don't know what Odorizzi's role is going to be. We don't know yet because we're not there. And that's going to happen for a while until the answers are revealed. So um, this isn't going to go away. I don't necessarily see it as a numbers thing. I see it as a as a baseball field thing considering the numbers. That's how I see it. Now, it's funny because Dusty Baker told Robert Ford on the Astros pregame show that I think it, based on what I heard, it was very much about the numbers and the fact that he does not do well third time around a lineup. Now it's interesting. I had, and I appreciate um, instigator comma Esquire at MZ Melbs, who um, said to me about Odorizzi's comments was what's BS is an opponent line of with a 6.62 ERA, the third time through the order. And I said, you know, that, you know, that 1359 OPS against is awful. However, on only 66 pinch pitches, I think a discussion should be had about getting one more inning. I don't know if that discussion took place in the dugout. He responded, realistic, he or she, realistically, if there was any willingness to engage in a conversation, it probably was gone once he gave up two doubles and a single at the top of the fifth. In September, the chances for let's see what happens are over. He needs to channel his anger into better performance. I disagree with that. I think, respectively, the chances for let's see what happens are over. I think baseball, every single game of a 162 game season is about let's see what happens. Because yes, when you're in the position that the Astros are in right now, I think it affords you a little bit more luxury. I mean, who's to say that if you let Jake Odorizzi go out there and retires the side in six, seven, eight, nine pitches that Maybe that clicks for something and he becomes a different guy down the stretch. Am I wrong with that thinking, Jeremy? Not, well, you know, first of all, before I answer that, both the, the, your point and, and what he said, he, she said, the very fact that we don't know, or at least have any idea if it's a he or a she, and you have a title, like, what was it? Instigator? What was it again? What's the name? Screen name? Instigator Esquire. You lose all credibility with me personally. when You can't give your real name. Yeah, if you, if you can't stand behind what you're saying, I mean, look, I'll give it. I'll well, give he it. was, he, she was, but I just don't know who he. No, they're not. They're, they're, it's, it's I, a, I think it's a good argument. I thought it was a good, I mean, listen, yeah, but, it was but, respectful and this and that, and I get it. But I think, you know, we've talked about this many times. These people, these are people, they're not machines. And the numbers don't always, the numbers don't always play out the way they have in the past. And well, if he's only got 66 pitches, sometimes on a third time around the, the order, he may have 80 or 90 pitches. Well, I'm, I'm saying it this way, and I'm, I'm saying it this way, you know, for, for a reason of. If you are, are tweeting from an account or anything that doesn't at least give the appearance of a real name, Avatar, your credibility with me as far as whatever argument you're putting forward is immediately suspect. And I'm going to use myself as an example. And, and I probably shouldn't say this, but my follower count's not the highest in the planet. There's plenty of guys, people that are higher than me, but it's up there. Um, I promise you all 30 major league teams see what I have to say. 
and I'm not saying that as an ego thing. It just gets circulated. It's what it is. I, you know, I've been in that, spent a lot of time in that industry. And so if I say something like, Ooh, I don't know, firing Jason Ochart, I promise you that spreads around. So my opinion can't be run from. It's just not that. So when you have a, a handle called Instigator 5000 or I don't know, you know, the Odyssey, I, I, stop it. Like either say who you are or, be, or move on. That said, you're both right. Because each, each game in the 162 is an audition for the postseason. He's kind of correct. And the Astros have to kind of figure this stuff out and have a better idea. Um, this, the problem is the situation isn't the same as all the other ones. You don't have Odorizzi at 110 pitches or 89, 90 pitches through five innings. You got, what, 66, I think the number was, right? It's to, it just goes out the window. That's why I said it can't be always be about the numbers. And I was thinking Dusty wasn't doing it all about the numbers as a, on a consistent basis. Maybe this time he did, but not on a consistent basis. Um, he's wrong. The doubles don't mean a whole lot. It's about how the how the effect was happening, how he was rebounding on the mound, what his ex overall execution was like, what his third time through the lineup is. That's sure that's got to come into play. Um, but you're still trying to figure this out for, for October. Like you're not done yet. And so you're right. And – in theory, he's right. She's right. They're right. The mule is right. I don't know what this is. It could have been, you know, it, it, it could have been like Shrek for all we know. It was just sitting there, you know, tweeting. It could be a fictional character, as they would say in, in some movies. So I, I, I don't know. I, I just, I know that um, the problem with either argument is that not he's right. He, she, it is right. They, they pronoun game. They're right. Okay. And, and Jason Bristol, 30 Emmys checkmark is correct in saying it's an audition. Still, every game's an audition for October because you're not there yet, but you also need to be fine tuning it by September 8th or 7th. It's Hall of Fame day. Derek Jeter went in. I really think Derek Jeter is a part of two of the best modern day draft stories. One being the Astros had the number one pick in the 1992 draft. They have a scout named Hal Newhouser, who, of course, was a very successful pitcher. Right. And Hal Newhouser says to the scouting staff, GM, listen, we got to take this guy. And at the time, they didn't want to pay the demands for Derek Jeter. And as we all know, they take Phil Nevin, who isn't a bad pick. I mean, the guy was an all-star. Good pick. But it wasn't Derek Jeter. So Hal Newhouser basically is saying, well, listen, if they don't, if they don't value my opinion, I'm out of here. Deuces. Right. I have to believe a lot of that has to do with Hal Newhouser's age at the time. And then the second best story, well, the second other great story is Dick Groach, the scout for the Yankees, Again, Derek Jeter, much like many prospects we see throughout the draft, has a little bit of leverage as a high school player. He's thinking about going to the University of Michigan and was asking for a lot of money. And, and, and Dick Groach, the scout, famously says he's not going to the University of Michigan. The only place Derek Jeter is going is Cooperstown. To me, those are two of the best draft stories of the modern era, and they're centered around the same guy. Same guy. Same yeah. guy. Um, 
you know, I had a, I had a chance to work with Dick Groats in Milwaukee. Really? Uh, yeah, he was our pro scouting director at the time, and and um, you know, and I was an area scout with the Brewers. And um, you know, I, regardless of whatever title I held with these clubs, you know, as you're you're well aware, I had a very accelerated role in development and things that I was doing, um, regardless of what the actual title was um, and core responsibility. And and the Brewers were no different. They were a lot of the foundation for that. And um, you know, so I, yeah, I, I had a lot of opportunity to go see, even evaluate a, a guy I knew pretty well and Ben Sheets, whether or not we'd resign him. Right. And those are things that just happened. Um, and I asked Dick about that story. It was really kind of fun to work with him. Um, he was floored. The Astros, at least from what I what he related to me, didn't take him. Right. Um, if you look at Phil Nevin, if you told everybody else, anybody picking at one, that your first overall pick was going to have whatever he had 14 years, whatever the, what he, what he did, you know, it was an all-star had those, you would be pretty happy with that. If somebody told you that going into picking in the first round, maybe not at, at one, one, but even then you'd be pretty good. So it wasn't like he was a bad pick, but like you said, the problem was he isn't Derek Jeter. And when I got to see Derek Jeter as a pro, um, I, I saw him in the big leagues I was doing coverage with Seattle 2012. I had the Yankees organization, uh, you know, for trades and, 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 and free agent signs, you know, Robinson Cano was a prime target, you know, I was bearing down, you know, and, and I got a chance to scout Jeter as a pro, not just see him from a, a player side or spring training, but actually scouting. And I got to tell you, it was probably the easiest report I ever wrote in my life. It was cake. I mean, come to think of it, the guys in that team that I had to write up, um, uh, you know, Curtis Granderson, uh, Alex Rodriguez, Derek Jeter, Robinson Cano, Mark Teixeira. Um, you know, just overall wasn't difficult. Those weren't tough to, to, to write up. But um, Jeter was the way he engaged with people, the way that he carried New York on his back. I and mean, I got to see him in New York. I got to see him in Boston, which was interesting to see. Even the fans in Boston, which they're different the fans in Boston, they really loved Derek Jeter. You couldn't, you can't help but respect the guy. So um, if there, you know, if there's ever a guy that deserved to go in it on the first ballot, it's him. If there's ever a guy that deserved to do that, it's him. Dick Groach having the ability to make a statement like that, that holds up is an all time, never forgotten or never to be forgotten baseball story. It's unbelievable for a scout to be able to do that and predict it. But um, you know, look, Gross was, was pretty good, and and Jeter made him made him right, made an honest man of him, if you will. And um, you know, it's 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 if I was Hal Newhouser and I didn't get a Hall of Famer at one one, I'm probably quitting too. Have you ever seen anyone or experience a scout so upset about a player not being drafted that they left the organization over that? One one guy. Really? I with I worked with him also with Milwaukee. Yeah, I'm and, not saying you need to yeah, say no, who I'll, it is, but no, I'll tell you, he passed away. You know, he's he was a good guy, um, really good scout, good guy, fire, man. Ton of fire. We did some a lot of stuff in Latin America together. He's great. You know, over Latin America. His name is Fernando Arango. And Fernando passed a couple of years ago. And he had the Midwest for Tampa at the time. And he wanted a player out of Maplewoods Junior College by the name of Albert Pujols, to the point where he had him go to Tampa for their workout, the pre-draft workout, guys didn't see it. Guys that weren't interested, um, they, you know, they didn't take him. Went the 13th round, you know, for Pete's sake. It wasn't like he was, you know, take him at one. And um, Fernando, Fernando quit. 
He said, I'm out. I quit. And guess who else is going to the Hall of Fame? Albert Pujol. So, um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, that's the one guy. Fernando was pretty convicted when it came to players. And that was the one guy I knew that actually worked with that resigned over not getting a player. Yeah, it's funny you mention that because that actually is in the book, uh, The Extra 2% by Jonah Carey, that story. Yeah. And he told his bosses, all I want to say about this guy is that someday he'll hit 40 home runs in the big leagues. Jennings, must have been Dan Jennings, right? Dan, yeah. Wasn't ready to dismiss Arango's report or his ranking, so we sent in R.J. Harrison, national cross-checker, and the verdict was, I can't do anything with this guy. Yep. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's a true story. But that's everybody how... has those stories, right? Yeah. I, look, I have, a, I mean, I got a Goldschmidt and I mean, you know, we all have guys that we missed on, you know, unfortunately when guys become hall of famers and, and game changing players, and I'd argue that Goldschmidt has had a very good career, but he's not a hall of famer. He's still across the bear. You know, he's, he's across the bear um, that I didn't, that I, I missed on, but, you know, a lot of guys missed on that too, uh, but also Pujols goes in the 13th round. A lot of guys missed on him too. You know what I mean? Um, it's 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 not something that was that's a perfect science and you know sometimes guys like that work out and yeah I mean both those guys are going to be game changing players to go to the Hall of Fame and RJ is a really good scout so all you really do is smile smile and say whoops well it can't really have that one back and you know and he's done a lot with his career since then ran the department for a while and signed a lot of players and did a lot of really good things you know he's 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 a he was a really good scout he still is still works for Tampa he's a really good scout. Is it off the is it off is it off base to say that even had the Astros drafted Derek Jeter, I don't know if their trajectory would have changed much? No, because you know the timing they weren't because they had some other right around that time, like when you look at I think their 2000, excuse me, their 95 draft, their 95 draft was not good. Well, who's it, who was in the big leagues at that time? I mean, you're, all, you're all talking about Biggio and Bagwell and that crew well, that he plays with in the big leagues. I mean, for all you know, yeah, it's maybe, maybe you're Yankees. okay. You know? Okay. I don't, I don't think it's the legacy of the Yankees. I mean, look, we're going to New York in, in city field and I've said it a couple of times as much as, as iconic as Fenway is, I mean, the biggest sports stage, not just like the stadium stage is New York. And so um, you know, the fact that Jeter was in New York and a Yankee makes it, you know, all the more, well, storybook in Hollywood, right? I mean, that's what it is. But when it comes to like, if he had been here in Houston and what he had done, you've got, you know, Biggio, you've got Bagwell. Um, so Bagwell got- was 25. All right. Maybe, um, maybe it would have changed the trajectory a little bit. A little bit. Bagwell was 25. Biggio was 27. Um, Alex, uh, Luis Gonzalez was around at that time. Finley was 28. But again, you just, he might not have developed. Billy Wagner was taken in 93. Um, But you also have to remember in 92, 93, the Astros had one of the highest rated prospects in the game and Andujar Cedeno, the shortstop. Yeah, that doesn't affect you in the draft. No, I know. I know. I know. The scouting director at that time for the Houston Astros was Dan O'Brien. Okay. And Dan O'Brien went on to be a general manager in Cincinnati why do I know this? Well, I also know who the scout was, signed Phil Nevin. His name was Ramey Richards, okay? Ramey, uh, Phil Nevin was Cal State Fullerton, Southern California. I was a high school kid at that time. Um, you know, Ramey spent a lot of time with me, getting to know me. He actually played on the Astros scout team 
at SoCal in that time, okay? Um, Dan O'Brien was a scouting director. I ended up working with Dan O'Brien, guess where? Milwaukee, that was the front office. So you had Doug Melvin, you had Dick Roach, you had Fernando Arango, you had Jack Sorenzik, you had Dan O'Brien. You wanna talk about a place to learn. My Lord, the place you could learn to develop Bobby Heck, Tommy Allison, Ray Montgomery. This is all one, one crew, literally nicknamed like the Brew Crew. This is actually it, right? Um, and, you know, Dan said, look, they want to take a college guy. That's what it came down to. They didn't want to pay the money. Nevin was willing to take a shave. The draft's the draft. The college guy was sure thing. They took Nevin. Uh, who knew Derek Cheater was going to be Derek Cheater? That's well, what, two people did. Right. But that, but, you know, if you're looking at the industry as a whole, People make those decisions in the draft room. They take a safer player, college guy, thinking about where their roster was. Maybe a guy who took a little bit less money, could get to the big leagues faster, help them there. There's a lot of things that go into that. Um, and it worked out where they got a good player. They just didn't get the guy that went six, you know, and that's, and that's how that works. So, um, you know, they, I've heard all that story. I was listening to Dan O'Brien and Dick Groats talk about it was kind of cool too, because one guy signed him, the other guy passed on, right, in the same place. It was kind of – and then Arango's like, yeah, well, I wanted Pujols. They didn't give it to great. It was great to listen to all that stuff go around in a circle. Um, but, yeah, I think if he's here, you know, we don't – I don't think any of us can remember what the development system was like at the time. But if you have that group, I think Derek Jeter passes Andahar Sedano. And then Sedano goes on to be a trade bait somewhere else. Maybe that helps the Astros again. It's still not in New York. But, yeah, it's probably life's a little different in Houston, I would say. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going back and forth whether how much life would have been different, but we'll ponder that next time. All, All right. right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. If you have an idea, if you think I'm wrong, if you think Jeremy's right, if you think Jeremy's wrong, you think I'm right, let us know in the comments section. Like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Also, one last shout out. Shout out David Peterson, manager of the Houston Apollos. American Association. He's a listener. Congratulations for ruining the Lincoln Salt Dogs' chances of making it in the playoffs. Nice Houston job, Apollo, David. Yeah, Houston Apollos had a tough season, travel team, but uh, um, they may have been beaten up, as I said in a story on KHOU 11 News, but they never gave up. Never. They didn't give up, Jamie. Jeremy. They didn't give up. <laughs> All right, everybody. Until next time.